The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Compassionate Life with Dr. Brittany King. In this hour, you'll hear stories about kindness, selflessness, and of course, compassion. The hope is that you'll be inspired to create some compassionate moments of your very own. Now, here is Dr. Brittany King. Hi, thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. King, and you are listening to The Compassionate Life on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. The goal of each week is really to highlight someone I've met um, throughout my life that's truly been inspirational and that um, leads compassionate lives and just gives back to others. So this week, we get to hear from Eddie Vega. Uh, He is also known as the Barefoot Bandito, and we'll learn more about why. Um, He has the Guinness Book of World Records for for um, actually running 101 barefoot marathons in one year. So if you can wrap your head around that, um, and that was completed in 2014, and and we're going to get to hear all about what inspires him and what's next on his horizon. So hi, Eddie. Thanks for joining us. Are you there? Uh, Yes, I'm here. Thank you, uh, Dr. Brittany King. (laughs) Doctor <laughs> of, uh, of Animals. <laughs> interview me in your, in your radio uh, show. No, oh, it's cool. It's great. So, well, we were just actually kind of chatting behind the scenes. Um, you're quite the man of travel. So, uh, you're saying you're actually up getting ready to go to Russia next week. Is that right? To run another marathon? Yes, yes that's correct. I'll be there for a short weekend trip to run a marathon. <laughs> And now, it, uh, obviously barefoot, right? Yes, barefoot to uh, continue to create awareness for you know children who are in need of shoes, and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, so I'll be passing a lot of calling cards to uh, Russians, uh, you know, to promote my cause and and to continue to create awareness for these kids. It's it's awesome. It, it's really um, it's very humbling. So, well, let's kind of back up a bit. Um, so you're living in North Carolina, but where did you grow up? Uh, I was actually born in uh, in the Philippines, in the province of Leyte, uh, and and uh, and I grew up in Guam. So I left. I immigrated to Guam when I was six years old, and so for most of my life, up until I was twenty years old, I, I grew up in Guam. And, you know, went to the States to attend college and then went back to Guam for a few more years. And then I've been living here in North Carolina now for the last 28 years. So if you add all that up, I'm kind of like ready to retire. (laughs) (laughs) No way. (laughs) No, that's, uh, you're you're definitely, I mean, so 20s, right? You're in your 20s. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Well, (laughs) I mean, your your story is really um, unusual. So we first met, um, for our listeners, uh, back in Antarctica years ago um, when 
I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool forum where when you run international marathons or just marathons, you come across like like-minded individuals and a lot of people are raising awareness for something they're passionate about. Um, Eddie's happens to be uh, Souls for Souls. And um, I, I remember meeting you and not only am I already thinking like this marathon is going to be really challenging because it's Antarctica and we're running on ice and snow and different terrain. But then to see this person over here who's going to actually do it barefoot was really absolutely incredible. Um, so where, how did you come up with the idea of, of running marathons barefoot and why? Uh, first of all, going back to Antarctica and meeting you, uh, I was actually looking forward to meeting you because I had known about you that you were the, I think the youngest female to have swim across the uh, English Channel. So, so that's how we met. I was actually looking forward to meeting you. And uh, so it was an honor meeting you, uh, Dr. Brittany King. And uh, thanks for I wasn't the, I don't, I don't think I was the youngest. I just happened to be one of those. I was definitely not the youngest, but just one of those swimmers there. But no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's nice. That's kind. But <laughs> So, yeah, going back to, uh, why, uh, yeah, that was, that would have been my, what do you call this? Uh, my third barefoot marathon in Antarctica. That was actually what in 2013, right? Uh, mm-hmm. February 2013, when uh, I was going to attempt to run a full marathon barefoot in Antarctica, and that was because I wanted to. At that time, I wanted to uh, create awareness uh, or raise funds for uh, to build homes for for the poor in the Philippines, and uh, and 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 so that's how that's how we met. Uh, in Antarctica, and uh, so that's what started my, actually the uh, first time I, I ran barefoot was uh, December 30th, uh, 2012, and that was after running about six to eight marathons with shoes. Uh, at that time, it was my 50th marathon of the year, the fifth in five days, and wow. it, it actually, it actually started out as a dare because uh, I only brought four pairs of uh Vibrance, uh, you know those five finger shoes, <laughs> and they're only good for one one use, uh, one marathon because of the stench. And so on the fifth day, uh, you know, I, I was kidding around with the other runners. I said, you know, uh, I only brought four pairs of uh, Vibrance, and uh, and I don't really have anything to wear on the fifth day. Maybe I should just run it barefoot, you know. So you know, I was kidding around, and then so they did. <laughs> they said, I think you should run it barefoot. <laughs> And, and that was and, uh, the, uh, that was 2012, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was 2012, and okay. and so I said, well, I might as well. It's my it's it's my 50th marathon of the year. I might I might as well uh, end it with a splash, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I did, and and uh, but it was a very cold morning. Uh, it was like in the in the low 30s, uh, oh. and and so my you know the first couple of miles I couldn't feel my feet. Uh, I had almost changed my mind, but I said, "Well, I already started. I can't. I can't stop now." Oh my goodness! I just keep going, and 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 you know because if you stop, you know the colder your feet will feel. So I, I said, "I better just keep running and you know keep the circulation going." And right. that was, and, and and you know that was a good idea because it does it does warm you up. And so after about two two miles, uh, it's just uh, you just you know you, you you warmed up and your feet start to feel pretty good uh but that was without any training uh and training and so 
training barefoot. Yeah. Exactly. And they where were, was that uh, location? Well, uh, that where was, was that, that was one? In, uh, winter, winter Springs, Florida. Okay. Yeah. Florida, yeah, not Florida. always warm. <laughs> um, <laughs> clearly. But that's true, though. I mean, that's a really good point as far as um, training your, I mean, you don't just like, well, you obviously did. You're like, well, I'm going to do it and I'm going to get through it and going to make it happen. But training your feet and your your body to adjust to a different um, element. Um, so, so how was the rest of that marathon? Yeah, so uh, I was surprised because I was thinking already for the worst uh, that when I finished the marathon, my feet would be all blooded up and blistered and, and, and so forth. So uh-huh. because I had not, I had never run, uh, you know, 26 miles barefoot before. Uh-uh. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, I never even trained for it. Uh, but, but, you know, that, what, what I found out was when you, when you run barefoot, actually, you, you, you tread more lightly. So you're, uh, you're not as careless of, of a runner. So you don't, uh, and your gait changes, uh, although your, you know, your, your cadence, uh, you know, is a little faster. Mm-hmm. But because you're, you're more careful, uh, you, you know, you avoid, uh, you know, you're, you're not as prone to in injuries as, as, you know, what most people would think. Right, because um, you're actually more yeah. aware of, like, the, well, cracks, rocks, whatever, puddles, things. Right. Was, and, what, yeah, was this yeah. one on road, was this one on, like, road terrain, or did you run a bit yeah. in the grass, or road? Okay. There was, there was, uh, Part, uh, mostly asphalt, but there was uh, areas that was grassy. So when when I see grass, I would run to the grass. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so it's a good combination, and and so so at the end of the marathon, uh, it turned out that I only had a, a you know a little bit of uh, a little bit of a cut. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. It, you know, just uh, some. You know, I just lost a little bit of skin, but it wasn't as bad as I had thought, and 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 so that gave me the confidence uh, then that that I know with proper training I could continue to do this, and wow. uh, you know, but it was very interesting because along while I was running, it created so much attention, and that's what really attracted me to running, you know, barefoot, because uh, with all the attention I was getting, I said, you know, I'm, you know, I can actually use this for a higher purpose. Uh, yeah. and, and do something with it, and, and so I thought about it, and, and you know, and, and and I did some research, and and that's how I I uh, got involved into uh, you know with Souls for Souls and 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 fundraising for them to uh, help provide shoes for you know, and I didn't realize that there were over three hundred million children around the world who are actually you know uh, in need of shoes or lack adequate footwear, and so when I found that out, I became more interested in. In uh, you know becoming part of uh, creating this awareness for those kids. Well, I mean, and I think that's that's what I mean. That's honestly what I found. I, I love this little forum and platform of, of you know internet radio because you can talk about these types of issues. That I mean, really, you're using your talent for a greater good, um, and then through your own life process, you realize that you had something to give back and then not just using it for your own kind of selfish needs, but, or one of my favorite quotes is climb, you know, climb the mountain to see the top of the world, not so the world can see the top, your, the world can see you. Um, And that's really, I mean, that, that was 
that's what you're doing. Um, when you started to work for Souls for Souls, was were you, you were instrumental in that? Um, and is that the that's the main kind of charitable organization you run all your funding for? Well, actually, I started. Uh, I, I what do you call? It? I started with Souls for Souls, uh, not necessarily working for them, but working with them alongside uh-huh. with them to uh, you know to, to to raise funds and create awareness. And uh, and I thought they were the you know the best vehicle for that because they actually provided shoes uh, mostly to children all over the world uh, in, in impoverished areas. Yeah. And 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 so I seek them out and 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 so when they found out uh, you know what I what I was going to do that I said I, I wanted to run as many barefoot marathons and use this as a vehicle to you know create awareness and help raise funds for the for the organization. They were very interested in working with me to do that. And, and so throughout the years, uh, I've been with them, well, for, for about two years. And, and during that time, we've provided over 20,000 pairs of shoes with, that I personally, you know, assisted in distributing uh, throughout the Philippines uh, to impoverished children in, in rural, rural areas. Uh, but... During the typhoon Yolanda, when Super Typhoon Yolanda hit the Philippines, Souls for Souls uh, actually provided, uh, sent over 250,000 pairs of shoes to the entire island of the Philippines to, you know, to, pro- to, to assist. So, uh, but now I'm actually uh, closely uh, fundraising for Seeds of Dignity. Uh, although I still, I you know, I still, uh, you know, stay in contact with Souls for Souls, but Seeds of Dignity is uh, is whom I'm actually fundraising for now because uh, number one is it's a lot easier to source the shoes out with them. Uh, we don't have to ship them from the state anymore. We the money that I raised uh, is used to just buy the shoes directly from distributors or from wholesalers in the Philippines. So we save a lot of money on on, on shipping, and that that was the main reason for that. And, uh, so, uh, so far, uh, with, with Seeds of Dignity, we've distributed over 3,000 pairs of shoes, and we've got another, uh, 2,000 pairs that are going to be distributed, uh, in November, the next time I go there, for, uh, around Thanksgiving weekend. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you feel alone trying to conquer life's challenges? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April Joy Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to discover the powerful you. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you get empowered holistically every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to access your magic. 
Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Compassionate Life. To reach Dr. Brittany King or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to brittanyking.swimbet at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, Hi Brittany. Us again. Yeah, We're hi. back. This is Eddie Vega, and we are continuing our interview um, speaking about the Barefoot Bandito and all of his, his incredible awareness for people without shoes and impoverished com- um, countries. Um, Eddie, you were, you were mentioning kind of back to, you know, reason for your, you know, your charitable work. If you want to continue with that. Yeah, and I think it's important for your listeners to know exactly why I'm, even after I broke the uh, Guinness World Record, why I still continue to run Barefoot Marathon is, uh, you know, I, I was born in, in, in the Philippines. Actually, my parents were actually, you know, uh, doing well, but it's my, my, the friends that I hung out with as a kid uh, running around when I was a three-, four-year-old kid was, you know, with the other neighborhood kids that uh, were not as fortunate, and, and they did not have shoes. And so I would run around and take off my shoes and, and play with them. Well, while doing that, I contracted hookworms. And, you know, uh, and, and, and so it wasn't just hookworms that I contracted. We had a neighbor that, uh, you know, would come over to our house and, 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 uh, and over where the kids played and, 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 and spit blood because uh, he, he was in his late stages of uh, tuberculosis. So, you know, myself and, and other kids have also, uh, you know, contracted uh, tuberculosis. Uh, and... I was very fortunate that my parents, uh, you know, they immigrated to the U.S., uh, or to Guam, USA, when I was six years old. And I was treated there with uh, Guam's modern medical facilities and, and cured of tuberculosis and, and hookworms. And, and that's the reason why I'm so passionate about, you know, providing and continuing this, this mission of uh, creating awareness for kids who have no shoes is because that was, imagine that, that was 50 years ago. I'm 56 years old now, but the problem still exists in the Philippines and all over the many places around the world. And and, yeah. and so, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, it's really true. So me being a veterinarian and one of our mm-hmm. um, biggest kind of topics, I mean, I had started a, a charity in Grenada at St. George's University where I went to school called One Health, One Medicine, and our main focus, I mean, it, they were free vaccination and more public health care awareness, um, you know, events because of the fact that, I mean, 
there are a lot of people that they're not aware of zoonotic diseases. So a, a zoonotic disease is a disease that's passed from an animal to a human, and hookworms is the exact perfect example of that. So mm-hmm. people in Grenada oftentimes didn't have shoes or would walk around barefoot on the beach, and parasite control for um, the pet care population um, truly wasn't there. Grenada's third world country. So dogs, cats defecate on the beach, unfortunately, and the cysts become, you know, they go into the ground, they go into the sand, people walk by barefoot, and that's probably exactly how you had contracted hookworms. And then hookworms, it's not just, so it's a disease that actually can migrate. Um, scarily enough, it can cause ocular larva migraines, so blindness. Um, you can get respiratory infections. You can get internal organ infestation. Um I mean, it, it truly is, um, from a World Health Organization perspective um, and public health awareness, I mean, your, your cause for, I think there are, you know, people that will argue the same platform where they say, oh, well, um, you know, you're, it, people grew up, people, people weren't born with shoes, and, and there are many people that believe in more of a holistic, you know, lifestyle, but then there's, there's the flip side of that, and then there's the disease side of things, and and you know, being able to provide that protection for people. I mean, we're talking about shoes. I mean, we're talking about, you know, and then, and helping people that need that um, is really, I mean, that was a, I mean, you recognize that as, as being a, an important calling. Um, and so, yeah, because I lived, I lived it and I, I've been through it and I almost died as a result of it. And, yeah. and so I keep thinking, well, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty well now. I mean, I, I can I can travel a lot and and, and I can provide for my family and, and and but there's a lot of kids uh, who have not had the opportunity or may not have that opportunity because they're living in unhealthily in a unhealthy lifestyle because they sometimes they can't they can't help it if they don't if they don't have the proper you know it starts out with the feet actually. Uh, Without proper footwear, uh, it's, it's right. really hard to live a healthy life. Uh, Mind through the skin. No, I know. I know, like, exactly. And then without um, going to the doctor and being treated, the disease can be dormant. You not even know the process that's going on. And um, oftentimes, yes. I mean, you can see that, like I said, within the eye, it can cause blindness. Um, right. You have the, the severe organ migration from the, the hookworm, so and, and mouthworms yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and believe it or not, it is still a major problem in the Philippines. Uh, you know that every every year they they deworm 16 million children. It's a ma- it's a ma- mandatory 16 million children in public schools in the Philippines. Uh, have to go through a deworming process. They they take this this deworming pill, and it's done actually not just once a year. It's done twice a year. Uh, yeah, I mean those are things that I think different countries and and then different people live in different settings. And um, I remember I was on a medical mission trip to Guatemala years ago as well, and going we went out to schools, and that was part of their their visit. They're like health health visit where the, the children were given dewormers and I mean I I think about mm-hmm. that from the pets I treat but I definitely don't right. ever remember in school taking a dewormer growing up in a you know in America and where I grew up so right. um, it is a major um, and people oh, luckily we, we have you know I guess 
more access to that kind of information at our fingertips, but um, what people choose to do with it is, you know, is going to be of their own accord. Yeah, and it's so, and it's hard for you know for for people that grew up in a in a first world country like in a rich country like the U.S. and you know most parts of Europe, and because uh, we have the infrastructure, we have clean, you know, we have we have a sewage system and. You know, places like, uh, you know, many parts in the Philippines, they have open sewage systems, so that's why it's, you know, diseases, is, you know, food disease is rampant. Uh, and, and you know, one of the, I, I don't know if, uh, <clears throat> as far as a vicious cycle is concerned, is, uh, you know, uh, like in the Philippines, there's, there's, a, there's laws there about going to school. You have to have shoes in order to attend school. Well, there's a lot of kids that can't afford shoes, so, so they can't go to school. They're, they're sent home. So it's like a vicious cycle. You know, they, they continue to remain poor because they can't, they can't get an education. But it's like that, too, in, in other countries, not just the Philippines, where there's a law where, you know, you have to have... Because it's, it's part of the hygiene. Uh, they don't want to continue to spread the germs to other students. Right, trying to eradicate uh, disease. Um, right. Other things you don't even, I mean, a lot of people, maybe people think about them, maybe they don't, but um, what you do for awareness of that. Um, he said, uh, I mean, yes, you had helped, um, you know, kind of alongside with Souls for Souls, and then you were mentioning Feet of Dignity. So what your, your specific uh, fundraising is for, what is that for then, What for right now? Uh, with Feet's. Seeds of dignity. I am um, uh, raising raising funds so that I can provide shoes whenever you know. Uh, again, main, mainly to the Philippines and and to the Pacific Islands in in uh, Micronesia. Wherever, wherever you and, want. And, but you founded this entirely yourself. No, uh, actually, Souls for when when I was uh, fundraising uh, with Souls for Souls, they connected me with Seeds of Dignity. Uh, because they were the ones, excuse me, uh, based in the Philippines. Uh, although they have headquarters in, in in California, they had they had uh, an office in the Philippines, and then they would help out with the logistics. So, but it, it was easy for me. They took care of everything. They, uh, you know, they, they set up uh, the delivery system, where the shoes were going to go, what schools, uh, orphanages, and so forth. So when I got there. Uh, it was just a matter of, of, of me uh, going to these different places and, and then, uh, you know, talking to the, to the kids before actually making the distribution. And, but that was very expensive because we had to send the shoes, ship the shoes from Tennessee, from Nashville, Tennessee, to the Philippines. Oh. So that, that pretty much doubled the cost of the shoes, even though the shoes were donated by Skechers uh, uh. to Souls for Souls, we had to ship them to the Philippines so that... That came out of our pocket. Uh, no, that's know, so uh, true. Because I remember in Grenada, anything you got shipped. Like, I would tell friends and family, don't send me anything because not only does it cost you an arm load to send it, but then I actually have to pay a huge tax on it to even receive it. Right. So it's, uh, <laughs> that's a really, no, a good point. Um, but still, I mean, what great, what a great resource so you still provided. You're right. Yeah, so with Seeds of Dignity, uh, because they're already based in the Philippines, all of the money I raise now, I, I just send it to them 
And what they what they do is they they buy the shoes directly from the uh, local suppliers in the Philippines, and then and then we just you know from so it doesn't really go that far. the shipping doesn't go that far. It's just within the islands of the Philippines, so it saves us a lot of money in shipping, and and so it it comes out for for every dollar I raise, uh, we can actually buy uh, a you know one pair of shoes, uh, so so it goes a long way. So any money donated. Uh, $100 will actually provide 100 pairs of shoes to uh, maybe children in the Philippines. What, how do people find that? Um, do they just Google Feet of Dignity um, or feetofdignity.com? Like how would people, they want to donate to your cause, how do they find you? Uh, they can, uh, I actually have a GoFundMe website. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. GoFundMe.com uh, right. slash Eddie Vega, E-D-D-I-E, V as in victory, E-G-A. Right. And, and, and that was, that, that's one that I just set up a few months ago. Uh, so you'll, you'll see that uh, I've already raised about uh, $3,200 there. Good for about 3,200 pairs of shoes. Can you imagine that? That's a lot yeah, of shoes. You need to take. We need to have a photo of that. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, it's hard to comp- hard to comprehend, but it's also so powerful. Um, well, we actually it's time for another quick short commercial break. So we're gonna um, take a break for a few minutes and come right back and continue um, talking about um, the barefoot bandito and everything amazing that you're doing. So we'll be right back after this commercial. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the Compassion. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Women in sport has come a long way in a reasonably short time. In the 1950s, most women's sport was casual, recreational competition, followed by snacks or a light lunch. Today, women's sport is competitive, powerful, and in the mainstream. Whether it's collegiate, Olympics, or professional leagues, tune in to Women and Sport, The Long Road Up, where you'll discover the path that women's sport has taken over the past 50 years and more. Featuring your host, Carol A. Oglesby. Listen Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America empowerment follow us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment you are listening to the compassionate life to reach dr Brittany king or her guest today please call into our program at 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to brittanyking.swimbet at gmail.com now back to the show thanks we're back i'm dr king and this is a compassionate life we're speaking with eddie vega the barefoot bandito and um 
You know, Eddie, I, I, I guess I just have the the go to question for you is, I mean, why do you run? Why why do you run barefoot? I mean, what's your passion behind that and reasoning? Yeah, I I, I run barefoot. I'm that very passionate about it because uh, I almost died as a result of you know uh, disease that I that I got as a kid because I was going barefoot, and I wanted to create awareness for the three hundred million plus children in the world who, you know, can't afford shoes. So I, I, I do this as mainly, mainly for that reason and, and not as a lifestyle. I mean, that the message I really want to send out is, you know, barefoot running is, uh, and, going, and going barefoot is not, it's not good for you. Uh, it's, you're really better off, uh, you know, wearing shoes, uh, you know, for health reasons. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, and, and, you know, running marathons is, is just a, a vehicle for me to promote the, uh, you know, this cause that I, that I really believe in. And uh, in 2014, I was, you know, uh, I, I came up, well, actually, it started in 2013 when I came up with the idea that how can I, how can I really get this message across? Uh, in a big way to really bring attention to to this problem that not very many people really know about, and uh, you know, so so that's I did some research and I found out and, and I, I I contacted uh, you know Guinness World Records and and I asked him about uh, you know records in barefoot marathons and they said, well, there's really none out there that uh-huh. exists as far as. Uh, you know, number of marathons, barefoot marathons you can run in a year. But they said, if you want to, however, if you want to set this record, uh, you're going to have to run a minimum of 50 barefoot marathons in one year. And and you have to really prove uh, that you actually, and these have to be certified uh, marathons, uh, marathons right. that are uh, open to the public, et cetera. And, it, and, and they have to be organized and, and uh, other people can Document participate. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you have to fully document your run. Everyone, you have to you have right. to document with a GoPro and and uh, you know videotape your feet uh, before every race, during and and after, and 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 also take pictures uh, along the way, and and also uh, you know have two, at least two witnesses uh, sign uh, you know this this document stating that you actually ran a marathon barefoot, and then prove it with uh, with a medal. That you finished the marathon and 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 with uh, with your bid, and also have a log documenting your runs. And so that was the hard part. No, absolutely, <laughs> all no, the I documentation. It's all the documentation. I completely. We know exactly what you're talking about because with Triple Seven Quest and the Link Team, and we were all linked together. Seven of us running seven marathons on seven continents back to back in what would have been seven days, but was six six right. and then ended up being eleven. And it still had been. It's still in the process of being evaluated, but at this time denied and declined because of we had documentation, we had everything. But I mean, and, and not even two people have run linked marathons, but they they make very strict regulations around some certain yes. things. And I feel like some some records like, you know, a ball of twine and eating marshmallows aren't as, as strict but then other things they you know, there's a there's there's a lot of work that went into that, um mm-hmm. and that yeah. awareness you were trying to raise. So I mean that's an really I mean it's um 
It's impressive, very impressive. Yeah, and you can you can attest to that that running running the marathon itself was the easy part, but the documentation and especially the logistics, mm-hmm. uh, planning it, and 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 actually, uh, you know, the the logistics of uh, the marathons were the hard part. The, the the travel going to the start and finish, and then having to go to the next marathon. Uh, so, yeah, that was very difficult, and uh, I I was. So they said, for me, they said fifty. They said fifty, and you did how many? <laughs> uh, well, actually, when I, I actually planned to do uh, hundred and twenty that year. I said, you know what, I want to make sure that if I if I'm going to do this, because I don't think I can ever do it again, and this is probably the first, <laughs> this is probably the only year that I can do this because uh, uh-huh. my, the flexibility of my 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 contract. I said right. after this year, I would never be able to do it again. And, and probably this is a, probably the best shape I've ever been. So, so I'm I'm not going to settle for fifty. I'm going to smash that record. So I actually <laughs> I actually uh, planned to do 120, but because of logistics, missing flights, uh, getting injured, and so forth, I was able to do only 101 barefoot marathons in that one year. And that's only that's. Only, I mean, that's, we're talking eight to nine a month. We're talking travel. We're talking like a lot of right. people are like, I think I'm going to plan for two 30-minute workouts this week. I mean, not to knock that. I mean, every whatever is motivational for each person, couch to 5K, but 101 marathons in one year is incredible. A barefoot is even more incredible. And then the travel side of it is mind Blowing, really. Yeah, and the other, the other, the other hard part for that too was uh, I also set another record as being the first and only one to run a barefoot marathon in all fifty states in less than one year. So, so that that, that added logistics, which was not recognized by Guinness because it's country specific. Uh, that that added to the logistical nightmares, uh, being able to plan and run a marathon in every single state uh, in, in that one year period. Uh, and and being able to finish because you never know what you're you're going to get. In some marathons are just impossible to run barefoot. Uh, no. And 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 that's the reason why I had four DNS. Uh, you know, I didn't finish four marathons. Because there's like seasonal logistics of it too. Like you're not going to run probably the Colorado marathon in December. I mean, like things like that. You're going to do the. I mean that's. I don't know. I, it, it's hard to wrap my mind around it, even, and I'm a yeah, runner. <laughs> a run, actually, it was the coldest marathon, barefoot marathon I ever run was not in Antarctica and was not in Alaska. It was actually in Massachusetts. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was back-to-back. Uh, I had just run a marathon in Richmond, Virginia. It was 28 degrees when I started. Uh-huh. And, and right after that, I had to catch a flight to Massachusetts, and so the next morning, I ran a marathon there. It was 19 degrees when it started, and it it stayed in the in in, in it stayed that way for uh, and to it didn't get above freezing until about you know two hours later uh, wow. into the marathon. And so for the first two hours, I couldn't feel my feet; it was numb, <laughs> and I was wondering. I, so I was afraid. I, I was. I was really afraid that I might. I might get frostbite. I had that fear. That, that's what I was gonna say. Do you ever fear like that you could actually get frostbite or gangrene and lose? You know, I mean, your ability to be able to do this. Although 
me knowing you, I feel like you would find a, a completely different avenue to give back than if that were the case. But, I mean, those have to be real fears of, of yours sometimes. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm doing this for a cause, but I don't know what, what shape my, like, actual circulation body and, and digits are going to be on it at the end of this. Right. And so that was unknown That was unknown territory for me. I've never run in that cold. Uh, as a matter of fact, even with, with shoes, I never ran that cold. It was... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I mean, twenty six degrees. For me, I'm the not. Coldest I ran with shoes. <laughs> I know. I yeah. I am a cold weather like not phobic. I love it for like playing in it purposes. But I quickly realized like when we started triple seven and we got to Antarctica and that night we were camping the night before in this tent on Antarctica and I I think I borrowed everybody else's clothes, barbs specifically in my little camp, my tent. I started with like six layers and I started running with, I was like, I'm, in, I'm not taking any of these off. I'm not putting on running gear in the morning. I've got jeans. I've got leggings. I've got one <laughs> pants. I've got six layers. I'm not undressing to be properly attired for this marathon because I'm so cold and I'm going to start running. And, but then that's the bad part because then you start sweating and then you do want to take layers off and then you're wet and then you're freezing and then you're, right. oh, it's, yeah. so, it's such a <laughs> challenge. <laughs> But yeah, I had shoes, yeah. I had shoes, so I have nothing to complain <laughs> about. <laughs> um, yeah, so so, what keeps me going really? It's I mean, you, you know, you you think I didn't want to. I mean, it would it be a big disappointment if I if I quit? So, uh, so that's what I just think about. You know, these kids and the message that I'm trying to send is, you know, never, never ever quit, never ever give up. You know, uh, yeah. You know, and even, uh, even in the yeah. DNF or DNRs or, or sorry, DNF, did not finish one. Yeah. It's okay to have, I mean, I found there's been many things I failed at in life, and it's okay to have failures, and it's okay to adjust your goals, um, you know, and, and okay to find, you know, something positive out of the experience. So, um, I mean, 101, again, the, the congratulations. I know it's been two years, oh, but uh, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. So, well, that, that's, um, you know that that's, <laughs> that's that's a good point you brought up about uh, you know DNS uh, not not finishing and learning from it uh, because my my first uh, DNS uh, did not finish a, a barefoot marathon was actually in, in Antarctica before I even began my quest to set the Guinness World Record. Yeah. And at that time, I had you know everybody thought I was crazy to run a to attempt to even attempt to run a barefoot marathon in, in Antarctica. Uh, but I figured I could do it, uh, you know, but that's what I thought before we landed. When we, la- when we landed, I, I saw the jagged rocks and am I going to run on that? <laughs> no, it wasn't I mean, necessarily the cold. It was it only was 29 degrees. Shard, yeah, when we, it was the sharded rock and like, it was sure like sharp rock. And all of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and that actually tore up my feet, so I only lasted uh, about eight point seven miles uh, going barefoot, uh, and I had to I, put on you know yeah. a pair of shoes. But my feet was torn up. It was it was already I lost almost all of my soles on both feet. And uh, but you know that experience really taught me uh, that you know uh, what do you call this? That if I can run, if I can run a barefoot marathon even though I did not finish uh, in Antarctica, then I could run a barefoot marathon just about anywhere in the world, you know? 
and, and, and so that's why I, that gave me the, the confidence to set the Guinness World Record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, I did learn from that, and it was, a, you know, even though I failed, but it was it was a good it was a good failure because that's what gave me the, uh, you know, motivation and and confidence, self confidence that I could actually set a Guinness World Record. Uh, yeah. And not so. even a failure. Like I hate that. I hate that word. It's not really a right. failure. I, yeah. I mean, I specifically remember while we're running, I mean, word spread throughout the marathon, throughout the runners, like, oh my gosh, Eddie, like, did you see it? Did you see his feet? Did you see the blood on the rocks? Like, I literally have a visual witness photograph of, like, the blood on the rocks from cutting up their feet. I mean, it was, I mean, it's not only do you have, like, a camaraderie as runners um, and a running community, and I think most most athletes do, but, um, I mean, just the, the fact that... <laughs> So no nobody the end result uh, okay so you put you had to put shoes on right because of health right. and, and pain and everything else but it raised so much awareness and that's the whole goal of it is to raise the awareness and and so it was a success it wasn't a failure but um, yeah. for confidence purposes I mean absolutely served its purpose there too so mm-hmm. um, it was you know. funny Brent Brent Weiner, uh a, oh, it, was, it was like, track, it was like track, tracking a wounded animal. <laughs> I was following my footsteps. I was leaving blood trails in a zero impact, zero impact oh. zone. <laughs> oh, Brent, he's so funny. <laughs> also, an, an incredibly impressive athlete. So, yes. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. So, um, I have a, I have another question. How much? Yeah, I know we, we you talked about if you raise hundred dollars, you hundred hundred pairs of shoes. Can have have you a, been able to tally a number in your whole career, whether it's combined with souls for souls and feet of dignity, how much money you've raised and in total pairs of shoes for people that need it? Uh yeah. Yeah, I've I've, I've raised uh probably altogether probably over uh forty thousand uh, dollars, which equates to about you know, over 40,000 pairs of shoes. Uh, really incredible. And so, um, you know, I, I would love you know, to be able to raise a lot more than that. And uh, hopefully via this avenue through your, uh, you know, radio show, I'll be able to get some more donations. <laughs> when anybody's, I mean, just, again, it's just the, the awareness and the compassion behind it and the cause. So, um, I mean, it's, it's uh, pretty, really pretty impressive. Well, um, I do think it's time for us to take one last quick short break. So we're going to go to a commercial break, and then we'll be right back after this segment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment.
encouraged and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Compassionate Life. To reach Dr. Brittany King or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to brittanyking.swimbet at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back. We're our very last segment speaking with Eddie Vega, the Barefoot Bandito. Um, we've been just talking about everything, really. Um, inspirational as far as running barefoot marathons goes and raising funds for those who need it. Um, we're going to delve a little bit into um, kind of how, how this all is possible. So... Um, I mean, Eddie, yes, you've obviously run like hundreds of marathons and, I mean, world record holder, but how do you balance your day-to-day life? I mean, what is your training like? Um, well, why don't we start with the training, training, the work-life balance, uh, work-life and training balance, I guess. Um, what does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's funny because... Uh, I run so many marathons that I don't even have time to train because I uh, I still hold a full time job uh, working forty hours a week and and so uh, trying to maintain that balance and you know fortunately uh, my my kids have grown up my youngest is uh, already uh, going to be graduating from college next year so so that helped a lot not having little kids at home that I can I can be away for you know uh, for many weekends. Uh, so, so that was a good thing. Uh, otherwise, I would not have been able to, you know, to, to run as many marathons or travel as much. Uh, but, you know, training, training-wise, uh, I don't, I don't train as often because I just don't have time. I wish I, I wish that's why I'm a slow runner. <laughs> if I was you're able to train more, I'd be able to run faster. <laughs> No, you're not slow. But it's almost like you're also training each time you're running a marathon because it's a continual like body breakdown. If we again go back to that hundred and something marathons in a year, that's you know, eight to nine per month that's we're looking at, you know, a couple of weeks. So that's uh and that's a lot of training just in itself, uh, without the training outside of it. Are you are your kids interested in running at all? Do they share kind of that passion? Actually, the only time they were interested was uh, when I was when I was going to complete my fiftieth uh, state my, my marathon for my fiftieth state marathon. Actually, uh-huh. the first time I it, that was in Alaska. Uh, I, so I asked them if, if you guys want to go to uh, Alaska to uh, witness my fiftieth state uh, my marathon in the in the fiftieth state. Uh, you're gonna to have to, you know, run it with me, uh, <laughs> or at least, at least, if you can't do a full marathon, at least do a half. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, but I gotta make sure, I gotta make sure that you can finish a half marathon. So you gotta do a half 
at least uh, one half marathon before we leave for the trip. And, and, and so that's, that's, what, that's how I got them into running. Uh, you know, kind of bribe them into running. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so they've, done, they've run a, a few half marathons with me. Uh, uh, you know, after the half, then I'd continue on and, you know, when they finish. But they haven't really, it ha- they, have, it ha- they haven't been bitten by the bug, basically. Uh, and, and I have. Uh, yeah. Um, well, and then do, does your, does your wife, does, will she travel to uh, marathons here and there? Or um, you, I know you're going to yeah. Russia. Um, does she get uh, along? She travels, yeah, she travels uh, quite a bit also running marathons. And, and that's really, uh, especially because uh, my, my work takes me, you know, I, I work out of state a lot. So we usually meet in a, in a marathon. <laughs> Uh, and I'm so glad that she, she, she runs marathons as well because, uh, you know, it's, it's like that thing where they say a family that plays together stays together. And I think that's what really helped keep us together is, you know, being able to do something like this. Uh, yeah, something, yeah like, something that we love because, to do. Because if you're doing your, whatever it is that is quote unquote could be me time, but if you're sharing that with your significant other, then it's not really me time and it's, partner time and if you're if one person hates athletics and the other person has to keep their mental sanity by running or or whatever it is and it oftentimes just becomes divided so um, I think you have the perfect balance that family and friends are so important in our lives uh, for supporting Mm -hmm. these avenues and and passions so um, I mean that's I think that's really great would you what, so you, you talked about um, your, so would you say that most challenging marathon ever in, in your history was that one in Massachusetts where it was really cold or is there anything in no. Antarctica or? It was, an, it was Antarctica. Antarctica for sure. <laughs> that was the toughest, yeah, toughest yeah. and most challenging. We've been there. I thought I was, yeah. I thought the Great Wall of China, I literally sat down on the steps on like the latter half of it and was like, I don't, I can't breathe. I don't know if I can do this right now. <laughs> and had like yeah. a heart to heart with myself. Like I just, yeah, I mean, you, you, um, you get to those moments, but you, I don't know, you find it deep down and you're slowly keep going. So, um, so that's pretty, uh, again, inspiring. Um, I, I, so, so training schedule, we talked about that. And um, have you ever thought about other avenues besides just running, like maybe moving it towards um, triathlons or biking or, or really running is the passion right now? Yeah, uh, running is really the passion right now because, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's not – Logistically, it's, it's it's easier to do than than, for instance, like triathlons. Uh, I mean, I used to be a swimmer myself before. Uh, I mean, not, certainly not as good as you, Doctor King, but uh, <laughs> it is a past days. I'm not really. Of, a, uh, I love swimming, but no swimming. <laughs> yeah, I, I, used, I used to swim just for you know for fun before, and then I uh, uh, I'd swim like two miles a day, uh, for instance, at the. Uh, and I did that for like a year, up and then and then I injured my, my myself. I had ended up with bursitis and my rotator cough, and so I can't really swim now. So triathlon's out of the question. 
bicycling. Uh, I do no, bike, but it's it's uh it's hard to travel when you've got a bicycle. So running, yeah. I'll continue to just run marathons because it's easier to to just you know pack a small bag and and go anywhere in the country or in the world and run a marathon. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's super. Um, I mean, I, I I think that's completely kind of the. I mean, you're trying to make the biggest impact with. Um, what you can do and logistically having a full-time job. A lot of people are retired when they start to do these types of things, but you still manage to balance life and, and do it all. So we're actually out of time. I can't believe the hour went so quickly, but um, really, really thank you so much for joining us and sharing your passion and um, the awareness for those without shoes and from a health perspective, need shoes, um, Barefoot Bandito, thank you for all of your inspiration today. And I hope people do contribute to your cause. Please find him at on GoFundMe.com at E-D-D-I-E Vega, V-E-G-A, um, to help support all of, all of his wonderful passions. Thank you, Eddie, for joining us. Thank you very much, Brittany. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, I hope to see you in a marathon in the future. Good luck in Russia. Thank you for being a part of the Compassionate Life. Please join Dr. Brittany King again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, how will you leave your compassionate mark on the world? 